Good day and welcome to You Talk. It's a program dedicated to diversity, highlighting native-born and new Canadians, cultures, and experiences. I'm your host, Ryan Funk. Festival du Voyage is a highlight in Manitoban and visitors' winter. Although people couldn't attend in person this year and celebrate in large crowds, the festival did host online programming. Daryl Nadeau is the executive director of the festival. That means he oversees the organization year-round along with 10 full-time staff. I asked Daryl how this year's event went, French-Canadian culture, what people can look forward to next year. Yeah, my name is Daryl Nadeau, and I'm executive director of Festival. So I oversee the organization's operations uh, year-round. We have 10 full-time staff uh, with many more temporary staff in and around the festival uh, and about a $3 million budget. So uh, so we uh, we work year-round with Festival de Voyageur, but also we operate Fort Gibraltar year-round as a historical interpretive center as well, amongst other uh, activities that we do throughout the community. I know it's been a couple months, but how was the reception and what sort of restrictions did you have to follow? Yeah, for Festival 2021, uh, first of all, we probably planned, you know, five, six different iterations of the festival. We were very fortunate in the sense that we were able to have a February 2020 festival, which was about three weeks before the pandemic shut down uh, almost everything. So we had the benefit of time to think, uh, to, to transform and to really observe how society reacted, how the uh, COVID restrictions also evolved over time. So that really was a blessing in terms of time, but it was also a bit of a challenge in terms of the constant evolution of the different um, different, different iterations. We had a you know, full lockdown in spring 2020, then an easing of restrictions in the summer of 2020, then uh, very severe restrictions in the late fall and winter as well. So it was really up and down for us in terms of what we could do. Um, so we decided uh, very late, much later than what we would normally do in, in late December to go 100% virtual for Festival 2021. Um, that was in part to prioritize safety um, of, of our visitors, um, but also uh, the safety of our workers as well. So going virtual required much less staff, uh, many less volunteers, um, and so we didn't expose that many people to, uh, to, to you know, a potential uh, COVID case. Um, so, so what we decided to do was to offer as many, um, as, as many different activities that we normally offer at Festival uh, in a virtual basis or in a modified basis. So, of course, the core are the virtual concerts that we presented. Um, and we presented eight virtual concerts over the 10 days, which is consistent with us operating the the park itself during a regular festival for eight of the 10 days, uh, which had a variety of artists, Francophone, Anglophone, and Indigenous as well. So that was very consistent to what we do. Uh, but we also integrated, uh, for example, the beard growing contest in a virtual fashion. Um, we integrated a pea soup competition through meal kits. Uh, we established, uh, or we, we made sure to continue the fiddling and jigging competition through a virtual submit your own performance format versus the traditional in-person format. Um, we had meal kits, of course, that were available for folks to order. And we had also cocktail kits with the ice glasses that people were able to order as well to have that experience at home. Um, we also created videos that taught people how to do signature festival experiences at home. So for example, how to, 
how to play Voyager games at home with your family, how to make maple taffy at home, how to make traditional French Canadian food like pea soup and, and tortillere and other things from home as, as among other videos. So, so we tried to make live as many of the, the traditional activities as we could in one shape or form. Um, and again, that was really uh, through the blessing of us having so much time to, to plan and to, to adjust. And one last program that people don't really know about as much is our school program, which usually brings in about 10,000 kids during festival week. It's kind of a field trip style, a bunch of festival activities. Um, and of course, field trips were not, uh, not allowed this year, not uh, advisable. So we transformed that program into a virtual format. It allowed us to reach uh, schools across Canada. And for the first time, we were able to reach schools in BC, Alberta, New Brunswick, Ontario, that were interested in our in our heritage educational programming as well. So, the virtual uh, programming, and I think we'll talk about it later uh, in, in in this podcast, is really opened up some doors and made us rethink how we do things in a normal year. It it sounds like it allowed you to extend your reach. Absolutely, yes, yes. So we were able to reach people, for example, in rural communities that would not normally come to festival or northern communities, people maybe with mobility issues, accessibility issues. And even uh, Manitobans who moved away from uh, Winnipeg that, uh, that, that, you know, have an attachment to Festival were able to tune in this year. How long has Festival been going? And with your involvement in it, how have you seen it evolve over the years? Well, Festival started in 1970, and it was established by uh, the St. Boniface Chamber of Commerce at the time. And this was only a few years before uh, the amalgamation of separate cities, including St. Boniface, that was a separate city at the time, into Unicity, which is now Winnipeg. So, so at the time, the St. Boniface Chamber of Commerce wanted to make sure there was a signature event in St. Boniface that continued to distinguish it from the rest of Winnipeg. And so they came up with Festival de Voyageur. And, uh, and, and so from there on, they decided on the theme of the Voyageurs that really has have a really um, strong tie to the Francophone community and the heritage of the Francophone community in Winnipeg. And, uh, and, and winter was, was strategic as well because there were a lot of summer events at the time and they wanted something that was very distinct. So the, um, the, the festival grew from there. Um, later in the 1970s, Fort Gibraltar was built as well and festival moved to its current location with Fort Gibraltar at the heart of it. Uh, so that really it increased the anchoring of, of the historical theme of Festival Zuera because there's you know, physical structure, physical location that had that historical flavor. Um, and then as Festival evolved, um, again, it grew and grew uh, in terms of instead of um, being decentralized into various locations across the city in, in established uh, buildings, kind of like folk, folk, uh, folk around, I'm sorry. Um, it became more centralized into where it is today with a bunch of tents in one primary location and maybe a couple of satellite locations where you can get, you know, in one location with one ticket access to five different concerts at once, five different stages and a bunch of other activities as well. I've heard people say Festival is the largest winter festival in Western Canada. Is that true? Yeah, so there are two larger winter festivals in Eastern Canada. One would be the Carnaval du Québec in Quebec City. And the other one would be Winterlude in Ottawa. So those festivals are, are quite different from Festivals Voyageur. They have mostly free access to their events, Winterlude in particular, because it's, it's, it's hosted by the Government of Canada through Heritage Canada. 
So they have a bunch of free activities. So their attendance is much higher than Festival. Uh, but certainly in Western Canada, we are the largest uh, winter festival. And we are also the largest francophone event in Western Canada as well. There is no other large francophone gathering or francophone first event in Western Canada as well. So we don't talk too much about that one, but we should probably mention it a lot more in our communications. I guess French influence isn't as large in the West as it is in the East? Exactly, yes. There there are pockets of Francophone communities throughout the Western uh, provinces. There's certainly more, for example, Franco-Albertans and there are Franco-Manitobans, but they are more spread out through Calgary, Edmonton, and other communities. Winnipeg, because uh, the population is so concentrated in St. Boniface, uh, we're able to galvanize uh, the community and, and, and create these uh these special and, and large events uh, better than, than other Francophone communities in other provinces in the West. What does it mean to be French-Canadian? And and how do they celebrate their culture and heritage? Well, I mean, Francophone cult- culture, again, Francophones uh, came here through the fur trade uh, and, and and through different, different ways of settling. Um, and so, you know, you look at the Voyagers and the history of the Voyagers and how these were, you know, 16 to 25 year old men that would do a 50 plus day journey from Montreal to Winnipeg to go and trade furs and working for, for uh, the Northwest Company or the Hudson's Bay Company at the time. Uh, the Hudson's Bay Company employed primarily English Canadians and the Northwest Company primarily French speaking Canadians. Um, but it is it is interesting that we still celebrate that, that we uh, try to embody that spirit uh, through kind of being, being you know, hearty, uh, celebrating winter, being tough, you know, being really, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And Festival, I can tell you from experience, you know, putting together a winter festival is not easy. There's a lot of challenges. Mother Nature gets in the way. Uh, storms get in the way. Uh, we had a couple of years ago, our hydraulic equipment, uh, it was too cold to basically have tractors and, and loaders that would, you know, would, you know, make the snow sculptures and stuff. Uh, because it was so cold, and and so every 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 time every season that we get close to uh, to festival, we're refreshing the, the forecast every couple of hours just to see how it evolves. But for me personally, it's it's very touching. I grew up in 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 uh, rural Manitoba in a small francophone community of Labrocri. Uh We celebrated festival voyage at school. We came to the school program as well when we were kids. My family came to festival, um, and and to be able to to continue and, and be part of that tradition that's 52 years strong and, and make sure that uh, the celebration lives on, I think is wonderful. And, and it's really cool to see Anglophone uh, Winnipeggers and Manitobans attend festivals in large numbers. Our, our split in audience is about 60% Anglophone and uh, 35% Francophone. So we're largely embraced by English-speaking Manitobans. Um, and it's really neat to see English-speaking Manitobans speak a bit of French, uh, try to brush up on their high school French when they come to Festival. It's just part of the tradition, and, it, and it's wonderful to, to see that. And uh, I personally do something at the end of, of, uh, of a few nights during Festival. It's at midnight when the crowds are streaming outside of the park at the end of the night when we close. Um, I give people high fives. It's funny to talk about high fives now with COVID, but... Uh, when COVID wasn't a thing, I give high fives and I say merci beaucoup, uh, thanks for attending in French. And uh, it's really remarkable how many people respond to me in French, even though you can tell that their first language is not French. Uh, people make the effort because that's that's the spirit. That's what we embody at Festival. 
Yeah, when you're in celebrations like that, you feel moved by people's spirits and excitement. Mm-hmm. You've been using the term francophone. Is that different than French-Canadian? Francophone just means uh, a, a French-speaking person. Um, there has been some debate in, in, in the French-speaking community of, of whether francophone should be abolished in terms of... Uh, uh, some people see francophone as kind of a status symbol in terms of, well, if I was first language French, I'm a francophone. If you're not, maybe you're not. So I, I probably, I, I have to start doing away with that word. Uh, the preferred word these days is, is French-speaking person or French-speaking Manitoban, because you can uh, learn French later in life. You can be born uh, speaking a different language, but you're still welcome in the francophone or in the French-speaking community in uh, St. Boniface and in Winnipeg. Speaking of St. Boniface, um, it has a significant French influence. Would you like to see more people in places celebrate French cult, uh, celebrate French Canadian culture, and is Festival the perfect place to expose people to that culture? Well, that's a great question. Travel Manitoba right now is working with Festival and other organizations to create a Frank, uh, French-speaking or francophone tourism strategy for St. Boniface and trying to really distinguish it um, from the west, rest of Winnipeg as a unique experience, a unique destination where you can be exposed to the French language uh, and then communicate that to Winnipeggers, Manitobans, and then people from outside of Manitoba as well. So that's, that's a strategy that's in progress. That definitely is something that, that St. Boniface could certainly capitalize on. There's been studies with other jurisdictions, for example, uh, Lafayette in Louisiana that really celebrates the, the French-speaking culture and influence in a Louisiana a mostly dominated by, by English-speaking folks. So there's definitely a, a, a wanting of, of influencing and, and increasing that Francophone influence and making it more visible um, to the rest of the community. There's definitely some work to do in St. Boniface in the community to make sure that the French language is more prominent, you know, with restaurants and businesses and signage and things like that. So that's all part of the strategy. But absolutely, Festival du Voyageur is a pillar of that strategy and is a pillar of, of exposing English-speaking Manitobans to Francophone culture on an annual basis. It's such a magnet for the community. Um, it draws about 90,000 folks from, from everywhere across Manitoba to St. Boniface. So it is definitely the largest magnet in terms of getting people exposed to the French language in, in St. Boniface. And so it's certainly a pillar. Uh, but uh, what the hope is, the strategy is that that people want to be exposed to the French language and, and French Canadian culture year round through other activities and, and other sites as well. Is working with school age kids um, help foster that encouragement? Absolutely. We get, we get a lot of interest from English-speaking schools and also uh, French immersion schools in our school program. In fact, uh, we get more English-speaking and, and French immersion uh, students than we get uh, first-language French students come to the school program because they want that unique experience. They want uh, to be exposed to the French-Canadian and the Voyager culture. So absolutely, the, the school program, which, which you know, goes from uh, you know, grade two to grade 12 is really a first taste for a lot of these kids uh, that might inspire them to want to learn French or learn more about French Canadian culture. As COVID restrictions ease, what are the hopes and plans for next year's festival? Will it be embracing having full crowds again, or will it approach a more hybrid model? 
Well, our, our hope is certainly to have um, a full-scale, full-capacity in-person festival um, with with the, the the way that the vaccination pace is going uh, in Canada. We hope that it's possible. Um, we feel really, um, really strongly for the uh, summer events that had to cancel last year and may have to cancel again this year. Um, we were fortunate, like I said, to go virtual one year and, and possibly only have to go virtual one year. Um, so our hope is certainly to, to get back to normal, but uh, you're making a good point that there are some virtual activities that were very successful that we might want to continue in parallel with an in-person festival. So those types of things would be to make some of our musical programming accessible online for folks that, again, may have accessibility challenges, uh, may live in rural areas, may live uh, abroad or away from Manitoba. Um, certainly, we feel the meal kits and the cocktail kits for people who prefer to experience festival from home uh, is certainly something that has potential. We also feel that the school program offering both an in-person experience for schools who can uh, afford it and, and are willing to do that, and then offering also a a virtual experience for schools that maybe are too far away or maybe the transportation costs are too prohibitive for them to come in person for field trip, uh, we'd still like to reach them in some way. So certainly it's made us this year with COVID, it's made us reimagine how we reach our audiences and how we can reach new audiences. And so we're definitely, uh, like I said, hoping to have a full-scale in-person festival with complement it uh, with some virtual offerings that will reach uh, the new audiences that we're able to uh, to reach this past year. And maybe encourage more people to pursue learning the French language. Absolutely, that's the goal. You mentioned earlier about when you aren't hosting Festival, the organization is taking part in summer programming. Absolutely. So uh, we operate for Gibraltar from May to end of August as an interpretive center where uh, you can come and visit as a member of the public and uh, meet meet uh, interpreters that are in costume that really embody uh, 1815, which is the era that we represent at Fort Gibraltar. So they can give you a tour of Fort Gibraltar in summer, uh, and you can visit a blacksmith shop, for example, a trading post, uh, amongst other experiences. So that's open to the public as a tourist attraction, and we do uh, get visitors from all over uh, the world, actually, in a normal year when tourism is is is, is allowed in Winnipeg. Uh, we do also group tours. Uh, there's also weddings that are operated by a caterer that leases the Fort Gibraltar uh, main hall. There's weddings year-round that happen there. We do also do some special programming, uh, such as the last few years, uh, we offered kind of an escape the fort type of experience that included a meal um, and, uh, and, and, and an escape type of experience, escape room type of experience. Uh, we do concerts and meals for Gibraltar and other things. Um, right before the pandemic, we also bought a mobile taffy table. So uh, for those who've experienced uh, having taffy at Festival du Voyageur, it is, it is reduced maple syrup that is poured over ice or snow that hardens and becomes a candy that you can roll on a stick. And so uh, we bought a mobile version of that that can be brought and introduced uh, anywhere, indoors, outdoors, in any weather. It's a refrigerated table. So we hope that once restrictions open up, that we can have a presence, Festival can have a presence at community events year-round where we can serve people maple taffy and give them a flavor of French-Canadian culture uh, throughout the year as well and, and keep Festival uh, in, in, in the front of people's minds 
at other times of the year as well. If you have any stories you'd like us to share or communities we should highlight, leave a comment on our social media or reach out to us on our website. I'm Ryan Funk. This was Utah, and have yourself a good one.